Hi, I'm Kingsley Grant, best-selling author of The Immortaligent Leader, Succeed Where Others Failed and Become the Leader Everyone Loves and Wants to Follow. And you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams Podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams Podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. June Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning into episode 202, guys, of Chasing Dreams. With me is my good friend, Kingsley Grant, who, amongst a number of titles, includes national and international motivational speaker and author, including the book, The Emotelligent Leader, which we're going to talk about today and a lot more things. I'm just so happy, Kingsley, that you were able to come on the show. We finally made it work. Here you are. How are you doing? Amy, I cannot be doing better now I'm speaking with you. I'm doing fantastic. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's so good to hear. Listen, you wrote a phenomenal book. Before we get to that, it's going to be time for some get-to-know-you questions. You ready? Sure. I'm ready. All right. I have a bunch of questions. I'm going to pick from them randomly, and we're going to see how you do. All right? Go for it. All right. (laughs) Kingsley, who or what has contributed the most to your value system? Um, my parents, my my deceased parents have been that anchor, that raw, that have really shaped and through their own faith journey, my value system that has stayed with me and has guided me up to this point in my life. That's, you know, it's interesting. I, I don't think we realize it until forced with a question yes. to yes. evaluate where our values come from. It's true. Right? Yeah. It, it does. And you know what? I find that sometimes I reflect back and during the time that they were helping to shape my values, I didn't really want any of that because yeah. I wanted to do my own thing. Yeah, that's a good but point. Looking back as a parent myself, but also as an adult, I can truly appreciate what they were in their yeah. best way trying to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I am who I am today because of what they have done. It says a lot that you recognize that, too, though. It does. And, and sometimes it takes um, going through your own experiences in life <laughs> to realize, you know, they did know something that I thought I knew everything, but I did not. And they did know some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's a tough pill to swallow at that age. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is right. Because mm-hmm. How many of us as, as young people wanted to be curtailed and be boxed in and yeah. say, oh, we're trying to make you to be this, this productive, wonderful citizens of the world. Now, I don't care about that right now. Let me live my life. <laughs> Let me do what I got to do. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> All right. Next question. What changes have you made to become more environmentally friendly, if any? You know, I think the changes I have made is really be more um, be more curious about the world itself and just what happens as I am more exposed to the world in a global setting. Mm-hmm. And so I have basically begun to look at even the garbage, for example, disposal. And I, at one point, I didn't care about throwing some things out the window and just like, okay, somebody will pick it up. Yeah. Right. But I'm nowadays, even a small piece of paper last, I think about uh, two weeks ago, I was driving and I had a piece of paper, a small piece of paper to throw out. And I, I was tempted to throw out a window. 
and I started, the thought occurred to me, Kingsley, um, somebody is going to pick that up. And where will I end up? Yeah. And, you know, I just put it in the side door of my car and said, when I get home, I'll put it in the garbage. That's it's a great point. It's a great point. We don't think about those kinds of consequences. We don't. And until when it starts affecting things that we, we that matters to us. Right. Yeah. And even get close to our home mm-hmm. where we, something we ate as a result of something else. And with, oh, man, you know, so it's because cause us to become more conscious and more aware sure. of those things. Yeah. All right. What is the most unusual thing you've done lately? Well, I think the most unusual thing I've done lately is do a skydive. I actually, yes, yes. I actually thought I wanted to do a skydive, my bucket list. And so jumping out of a plane and just soaring through the air was one of those most unusual things I've done lately. And it was awesome. Was, okay. So I got to fear heights. So I got to ask these questions. (laughs) So was it what you expected it to be? Well, actually, not really. I didn't know what to expect as uh-huh. much because I was I didn't have anybody close to me that have actually done it. I read about it and I've done some research and what to expect. But I really ha- go, went in thinking, OK, you know what? I'm just going to go and just just jump, you know, and, and not try to get too many things in my head that I might back out. You know, so it, it was above beyond my expectation. Truly, it really yeah. was. Yes, the experience was awesome. Was it Incredible. one of those things where you have the video of it and all, and all that? Oh, yes. Nice. Video and pictures and and to know that, hey, I'm not you just, d- I did it here. I have proof you did that it. I did it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last question. What do you do when you need to blow off stress? For me, I, I go to the gym. I exercise. <laughs> I walk. And I, f- I find myself working out. I really am an athletic person. So uh, for me, stress relief is is going to the gym, but also sometimes just to take some time to meditate and just pull away and just be by myself for a few minutes just to reflect and just focus on my breathing and so on. And mm-hmm. so, but really exercise is my way of um, releasing that. You know, I, I never realized how powerful meditation was mm-hmm. and whether I'm doing it right or not, I don't know. But what I, what I've been doing recently is just taking time to not do anything and just kind yeah. of think about what's going on, which I guess is, is a simple form of meditation, but it's actually, from what I've discovered, um, peaceful. It is. It, it, it's a place where you can can go and just um, just check out, so to speak. And like I heard someone said recently, you know, it was um, Dr. Daniel Goleman. He said, people think about meditation as like you don't ever think about anything. No, so that's not the point. Mm-hmm. You do think about things, but you try to bring yourself back to the yeah. center, which is on your breathing and just be there. And that's the point of being self-aware, which is that muscle that you're working that doesn't really get worked too often. And guys, I would recommend it. I think Kingsley might too. We'll check in a second, uh, especially if you're stressed. If you have a thousand things going on, I found it clears the way. It does. It does. And I I highly recommend that as well. Yeah, there you go. But uh, let's talk a second about, before we talk about this book, I want to talk briefly about, because I finally got you on the show, your other book, The Midlife Launch. Yes. Because that, you, know, you had to know I was going to talk about this book. Yes, I thought you were. Right. I, I'm glad you did because I, I, many times, you know, one my most latest book kind of overshadowed my last book, mm-hmm. right? But that book really is a is a, a book of transformation for me. It's one of those books I wrote from my own position of transition and really launching myself at midlife, basically what people would consider the time to midlife crisis. But yeah. I see it as, you know, my book, they, they, the main essence of my book is taking that time of life to see as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So it's really a midlife opportunity, that night crisis. So that's really the focus of that book. 
And you guys, we'll have a link to Kingsley's uh, Amazon author page so you can find all his books. But this one really resonated with me uh, because it's pursuing your dreams. And this is from from the book or excerpt yeah. kind of description. Uh, pursuing your dreams without giving up what's important to you. And like you talk about midlife crisis, oftentimes dream chasers, especially those who yeah. are past college, um, are in a position where they're like, it's too late yeah. for me to do what I want to do. And your book is like, mm-hmm, no, not at all. And I love that. I love that because you're actually putting putting it out there. Yeah, I, I did because, you know, for me, you know, um, Amy, I, I for me, when I went back to finish my grad, to graduate school, mm-hmm. I did it at a later point in life. And that was the, my struggle. For three years, I waited because I'm saying to myself, I can't afford it. But again, I'm too old mm-hmm. and I'll be the oldest student in the classroom. And, and, and maybe I was, but, you know, I was ready because I was now at a place in my life where going back to school, I was ready for that. It's not like someone told me you have to go or it's a thing to do. I wanted to go and I did very, very well. But for me, that book came out of my own transition, my Mm -hmm. own journey. And when I did the research to realize how many people who are very successful household names that we have today are, have done what they've done in their, you know, after, so to speak, midlife yeah yeah and and the thing is what i love about one be you talking the talk walking the walk um is also the fact that you know nobody asked you your age did anybody ask you your age no one did at all nobody cares guys nobody cares if anything i think if anything people are um impressed yeah if anything i don't think anybody is like what are they doing here if anything, people want you to do well. People encourage it. Are like, yes, look at this, right? Um, did, was that I your get, experience? I get more of that than anything else because people commend and applaud the idea because mm-hmm. it now says if you could do it, then maybe I can do it as well. Absolutely. And the whole idea of you know pursuing your dream without giving up what's most important to you is that it can be done because the fear of most people at this stage of life is what will I have to give up? Will I have to lose this? Will I? And so the idea is what if I fail? And I'm thinking my whole essence is, well, you have more experience now in your life than you've ever had. And so the, the, um, the journey where you, from where you are, where you want to go, has been shrunk and you can get there faster Mm -hmm. because you know better, you know that you have the resources or you are resourceful enough to find what will work for you to get there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and guys, you hear what he's saying? You hear what he's saying? Oftentimes we allow people to make the decision for us. What will they say? What will they think? Honestly, nobody cares. Yes, they don't. Actually, people are are so busy with their own personal (laughs) life. They don't care about us. Come on. You know, I'm not the most important person in the world for them to be. Wait a minute. Let me spend some time thinking about kings that have their lives to live. Yeah. And honestly, Kingsley, if somebody did say something to you, what would it matter? It nothing. I mean, actually, I would really say, you know, thank you. At least you you noticed and you take you took some time out to say something. So hey, thank you. <laughs> right. I, I guess yes. Moving on. Moving yes. on. Next. <laughs> on on to the next one. Um, but I really, I really enjoyed what you had done with that book and the fact that you wrote something because I think there are so many people. And guys, if it, if you can't tell, I recommend this book. I, if you can't tell, I, I really think those of you who are struggling with needing to move forward and wanting to pursue something, check this out. Kingsley is actually probably um, 
I'm not going to say he's living his best life, but he is living life right now. Uh, everywhere I turn, he's speaking somewhere, working on a book, doing something. Uh, are you bored? Have you gotten bored? <laughs> you know what? I, I was surprised sometimes I when I hear people say, oh, man, I'm bored with life. I'm thinking, Where, what planet are you on? <laughs> and I get it. Because I think there's so much to do and we have so much in, in, in to give of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And there's opportunities all around us if we just open our eyes to see or get somebody to come alongside us to let us see through their eyes. And that's what the book is like. It's okay. If you don't, if you can't see it for yourself right now, I understand. What if you look through the lens of the book, you probably could see some things you're not seeing mm-hmm. and it shifts you from where you are to where you need to be. You know, the, the interesting thing I found um, about your writing is it's very relatable. It's very relatable, which, you know, kudos to you for, for writing Thank it you. that way. It's not, it's not something where you're like, what? And yeah. it's definitely through, um, and, and let's talk about this, the, the emotelligent. Right. Yeah. It, the whole idea behind this book of being um, the art of succeeding, succeeding where others failed. Yeah. Right. And and what I wanted to ask about this, right, is, is this only for leaders? Because I related to this as a person yeah. just as much. You know, and I think, Amy, the very um, into it, uh, very insightful question you're asking, because the book itself would say for the immortalogent leader and someone may immediately think, well, I'm not a leader. Well, yes. in a sense, we are, right? Mm-hmm. Because what happened is there's somebody somewhere who's looking at our lives and wondering, how could I do the thing or the things you're doing? And in a sense, they're looking up to you and you are leading. You might not even realize that, mm-hmm. right? So my whole point is that it's relatable, but it's like if for the parent, it's for the the, the um, business person, it's for the team leader, it's for that individual yeah. who have small, you know, friends or our children or whoever was looking up to them. They are leaders. So the book is very, very much for them as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, for anyone who, who considers yourself a follower, right? Because there are leaders, there are followers, right. there are people who are both whatever. I still think it's a relevant book for you so that you can recognize those who are good leaders and those who are not. So you can also identify that for yourself. Um, yes. No, and that's the, the, I, the whole idea I, why I wrote that book in that way, because I find that if we can only see, um, basically, it's the, I, how, how I see it. I'm giving them a lens mm-hmm. through which to look at leadership, but I'm taking it from the emotional intelligence lens, because that is a lens we all need, period, no matter where we're a leader or not, because it's the idea of self-awareness. We all need to be self-aware of ourselves. And it's not just to say, I'm aware that I am good at this or that. No, it's to be able to be aware of our emotions that drives everything that we do. It's the engine that drives our lives. Mm -hmm. If we're not aware of how that's going, we're not going to be able to make it successfully. Yeah, and you you actually talk about something that I think is very important, especially in a group setting, whether it's uh, college, whether it's high school, whether it's a work project, whatever the case is. It's very um, poignant, if you will. And it's where you talk about um, being a thermostatic leader. Yes. Right. And, And can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, it's a great question, um, Amy, because I find that, you know, the idea of a thermostat, it's for the set the temperature. Mm-hmm. And so what happened, every leader ought to be, again, self-aware enough to, to gauge the temperature of those they're leading. And they have to be able to see and hear and sense what that is and then set the temperature. And num- that's the first part. But the second part is also them knowing that they're the leader, mm-hmm. they're 
being watched and every move they're making, their mood is a thermostat that set the temperature for everyone else that is looking up to them for leadership. So if they come, come into the office, for example, and their mood is a very one of a sour mood, for example, that's a thermostatic setting that's now going to permeate throughout mm -hmm. wherever everybody else is. And so he or she, as a leader, ought to now figure a way, how can I set the right temperature for those that I'm leading to make sure that their lives are being done, you know, are lived in a certain way, but they're able to be productive, they're, they're happy, they want to, to give their best yeah. self, for example. And then they, they become a thermometer to now gauge what's happening, you know, be able to be sensitive enough to know, you know, I, I sense that there's something's off here. I, I know yeah. this person very well. And he or she have to be able to do that very well so that they can now reset the, thermo the thermometer, with the, therm the, the thermostat to try to change the, the, the um, temperature of the room. And what did you say? Um, Mondays would be when uh, thermostatic leaders find themselves the most challenged to, to work on this? Yeah, right. It, 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 it's one of those days that really seem to be the common day that really mm -hmm. they have to be so much more self-aware. Yeah. They're coming in off the weekend and in and their own people they're leading have had their own experiences, right, of the weekend. So we just don't know what we're gonna meet Monday morning. And so he or she has to be such more be some more self-aware so that they can now gauge the temperature and reset through how they begin to either raise or lower the temperature mm -hmm. of, the, of, of the room, so to speak. And then what happened is their people that they're look, they're, uh, he or she is leading would now be appreciative because they have a lead in an area that could really go south very quickly. You know, it's, it's interesting because in my own experiences, whether it was college or a work project or even group community projects, um, I find you're, you're absolutely right. The ones who I related to more and wanted to do more work for and to help make something succeed were those who made me feel, one, good, yeah. but two, also invested in it. I wasn't just doing something that had nothing to do with me. They gave me value in that I was a member of this project and it, without me, but for me, the, you know, everybody has a different role. You know, right. but that I was needed and necessary yeah. and appreciated. And those people who gave me that feeling, I wanted to do just as much, if not more, to help make it successful for them in the project because they believed in me. Why wouldn't I give? And that temperature thing is, is very yeah. accurate. You know, um, Amy, you, you're very um, much on point with that because I find that people as like yourself and myself were pursuing our dreams and we want to go after certain things. Mm -hmm. And especially if we have a leader who is actually kind of helping to steer that for us during a season of our lives, the better he or she can become in helping me want to show up, want to give my best self, mm -hmm. want to, to really fulfill my potential, really to harness all that I bring to that working environment, it enables me then to become better, more confident, better equipped to go after that dream that I have. So it's really all um, tied together. Mm -hmm. And it's so important, the role of that leader at that time, because he or she is not only going to fulfill the dream of the organization, but also that person who is helping to make the organization successful. Now, let me ask you a somewhat challenging question, if I if if we can call it that. What does an emotional leader or a intelligent leader do when they have people in the team who are just not being receptive mm -hmm. to the uh, 
the feedback or the guidance that's being given? What do you do when you're hitting like everyone else? All right, great. And then the, it's, this, it is, it's this brick wall mm-hmm. of, of nothing. Yeah, 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 and that happens quite a, quite often. Yeah, you what do you do? That one person. I think the idea, you know, one of one of the things I write about in that book is for that leader to number one, right? The whole know, like, and trust factor, as we know in business, if he or she can allow their people to get to know, like, and trust them, and be as vulnerable as possible, that person will see that leader as somebody who is also human, who have emotions as well, and raise that whole empathetic aspect of his or her being because we all have that within us we know what it feels like when someone is in pain or and, and so on mm-hmm. where that leader if he or she's in pain and that person is resistant so to speak there's a reason there's a reason and it could be their own pain so if that leader has built a strong relationship you know that's why i the second part of my seven essential traits of leadership is you know, leadership is relationship where mm-hmm. I talk about the fact that a leader needs to find a way to connect with those people because the more they can relate with them and have a stronger relationship, it drives almost everything that happens. So when he, that person is seemed to be resistant, he or she knows that person so well mm-hmm. can find the key to get to turn that possibly into the right way. So if this could be a, a moment of an opportunity to get to know a bit more about this person and explore and self-disclose about themselves as well to connect at a level with that person that they have not and you connected ju- before. You just talked, you just used a word that I think is um, one that people resist. And that word is vulnerable. Yeah. Right. Especially leaders. Um, I, I know good leaders who are vulnerable. So I, I, I say it works. Right. Whether they're intentionally doing it or not, I, right. I think they, because they're doing that, it works. But why is it you think that people, leaders, are resistant to being vulnerable? Because uh, you talk about in the book also about how um, some people feel they have to have a stoic face or, right. you know, that is the only way that they can lead is to get the respect of people as if they're just uh, firm right. and whatnot. <laughs> and, and you guys got to see the video of my face when I do that. Go to YouTube. Uh, but like... That is the only way they can do it when there are others who, who are vulnerable. Why is there that resistance to vulnerability, you think? You know, I mean, I think it's the association, um, the word association of weakness. They mm. see vulnerability as being weak, That's right? If I'm going to be, and so they, you know, from, you know, I'm from Jamaica as, and growing up there, vulnerability, especially for the guy, was not something you want to do because that is weak. And you don't want to show in any way, especially as a leader now, imagine he or she, he's thinking, most of the guys is thinking that people are going to take advantage. People mm-hmm. are going to run me over. So they're going to guard against that. But it's quite the opposite because what happened, vulnerability is strength. It's a way of saying, if I can show you who I am, number one, it builds trust in you because you are saying to me, I'm just like you. I struggle just like you do. And I find, you know, Daniel Goleman talk about the idea of empathy. Mm-hmm. He speaks about three layers of empathy. He says, you know, we have the cognitive empathy where we can say, I can see, I can understand where you're coming from. I can see that. Then he speaks about emotional empathy, which means, you know, I can feel where you're coming from. I can feel what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And then the idea of, he said, um, the third one is being empathic concern, where I'm so concerned, I want to do something to help and to change because I see what you're going through and you're struggling. What can I do to help? Mm-hmm. And he says, all those three in alignment, we, if it's happening as a leader, people on their team will be provoked 
and stirred in the idea, in the air of empathy, that they will want to come and help them succeed because they're seeing this person of saying, I can't do this by myself. I need you. So it's an invitation to get a teamwork mm-hmm. much, much stronger than anything else. Well, it also seems to, uh, from what you're talking about, bring them down to the le- same level, right? Yes. It becomes less of a hierarchy and more yes. of a um, collaboration, yes. if you will, which I think is, is always how I think things are done better and more powerfully. Uh, but also because you, you say in the book, you know, 50% of uh, the success of the relationship belongs to you. Yes. You know, and yes. that's that's a statistic that I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah I guess that's true, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> takes two. Of course, right? To be right. And I'm like, oh, that, duh. But it's not a duh thing. But that's, no. I think that's the point I, I, I'm trying to make is, yeah. for me, it hit me. I was like, oh, okay. But in reality, it's true, isn't it? 50% of it is is part ownership of your part in the relationship. And I think when, when people get to, to feel and exp- experience that, that you're, you're taking, you're playing your role mm-hmm. and doing your part in the relationship, they're more apt to reciprocate what they're experiencing, right? So the law of reciprocity takes place. So, oh, you're, you're really putting the effort, you're making the effort to get yeah. to, to know me and be vulnerable. I am going to be also more open now to be that way as well. Mm-hmm. And that's where the team begins to click and the synergy occurs. Yeah. It's 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 interesting because I think you're right about um, the tying of the word to weakness, vulnerability, yeah. and how that parlays into how we see our relationship. I have to be the strong one, therefore it's not me, it's you. You need to bolt, you need to get stronger in the relation, and it's like ugh, that doesn't really work. It doesn't right. work well when right. when you don't kind of relate. And yeah. if I see you not relating to one person, why would I think you'd relate to me? Exactly. And, you know, I spent a whole chapter in the book speaking about leadership is relationship mm-hmm. and about the idea of that leader. Because, again, you're leading. You go first. You are the one as is a leader. You take that the initiative to make that happen. Don't wait for it to come to you. You go after it and set the temperature, so to speak, set the tone of what you want. And I find people rise up to that because you have you've taken the initiative to set the, the bar mm-hmm. and not wait for it then to come and then decide in the middle of the game, how do we now set the bar? No, you do it ahead of time. So, how, you know, it's a great, it's a great book, guys, and you should definitely check it out. The question I have is, you know, aside from you working on, you know, talking about this across the world um, and the importance of emotional intelligence and kind of being an intelligent leader, um, how do you think we can change the next generation of leaders with this? Because you're right, it is an old established tradition that leadership is, I mean, you see it on TV, right? Everything's depicted on TV the way it is, and people think that's leadership, you know? So how right. do you change that perspective? What can we do? You know, I, I so appreciate that question because I see my book more than just a book. I mm-hmm. see it as creating a movement. Because my One of my big dreams is to say, how can we get every single person who are in a leadership are recognized and would say or acknowledge or admit they're in a leadership role mm-hmm. to buy into this idea of intelligence, which is similar saying is how can I recognize, understand, and manage my emotions and the emotions of those around me and be more skilled at making better decisions, having better relationships, and be able to make um, better judgment, so to speak, on life. So if every person that can have this buy-in, imagine what will happen. 
So my thing, I want to become an evangelist, so to speak, of mm-hmm. getting the idea of, you know, you know, of how can you begin to think of yourself as an intelligent person or a leader? And what that means is like you're going to behave a certain way mm-hmm. that suggests you are recognizing, understanding your emotions, and you're using that to then um, manage those relationships around you. I believe we have a better world. So, but to your question is, I think it's through education, it's through the speaking, the training that I do, the podcast that I do, this you know, show like this, I can, I can get on. And just having people who are going to take the message. I have you know, a few people who are now have bought on to saying, and they call themselves the emotional intelligent leader mm-hmm. because I've done some training and they've really bought into it. And now they're putting that as their hashtag because they recognize that keeping that in the forefront of their mind yeah. allow them to do things better in life. You know, and it's, it's awesome what you're doing that people are buying in. And, you know, I, I think that goes to show that the more people that take your words and put it into action, you know, th- then others will see that and then become uh, their own version. Right. And then you start yeah. growing and growing and growing. Because I think what, what you said earlier a few minutes ago that you become an intelligent person, you become yes. an intelligent leader. But being that person, yeah. um, you know, and recognizing that, you know, it's not. It's not exclusive to just being a leader, right? We're all leaders in our own sense. Right. But being right. that emotelligent person and understanding, recognizing it in others and in yourself and when you're not seeing it, you know, can help. The other thing we could do is get you on. We need to get you a movie or something. Is <laughs> change change the way that people do, view that's leadership right. <laughs> on TV because everybody else seems to be learning. That's not what that leadership or Wall Street, Wolf on Wall Street, that's what they do. You know, yeah. it's really... Um, a quick way to to show people, but I think uh, what you're doing and spreading and creating evangelists of it is helpful because, you know, I I like, by example, it's very powerful, right? Yeah. Seeing it and knowing, like if you, if you had to name someone who emitted these qualities of an emo intelligent leader who you hadn't talked to, right? right? Could you name at least one? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult in there because intelligence or emotional intelligence is not just one aspect of a person's being mm-hmm. and it's a very over-encompassing aspect of it. Um, but the person that may come to my mind, I think, is really Daniel Goleman, because he's an author, or Travis Bradbury. When I listen to them, mm-hmm. see how they kind of um, flow with certain things. You know, uh, you know, for example, I look at, you know, the late Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. We know how his, his temperament, based upon his books, his autobiography and so on, make it, it sound like he was not necessarily this um, good, nice leader, nice sure. person. But in a sense, he was, in some degree, and a very highly emotional, intelligent person because the idea of emotional intelligence is the highest predictor of success. So if you look at a person who has been successful, there's something they're doing. They're managing some emotions of their part and others around them to get them to do the things that they're currently doing. Mm-hmm. So there's a number of people that may come to mind that parts of them that would would be um, reflective of what it is I speak about in my book. Because, I, for example, I have seven essential traits. And so it may not fit under one of the traits there. That's a good point. It may point. fit under another trait that I've outlined in the book. That's a good point, is that even if you don't fit all the mold, the entire right. thing, like all the uh, criteria, if you will, right. that it doesn't cut you off or negate you entirely right right? Right. and that's a good point i mean i I guess if you look back i mean the thing that interests me is is that you could come up with someone there was someone that you could relate to the qualities of an intelligent leader whether they have them all or not 
right? Right. And right. that that person left that kind of an impact on you in a yeah. positive way, right? And yeah. it's interesting because yeah. um, recently I was doing some hiring and in the interviews, people always ask me like, what are you looking for? Um, coworkers, like as an interviewer, what do I look for? Right. And I, I don't, I mean, I'm assuming that if you get here, if you get to me, then you've, you've cleared clearly the minimum requirements of the background in education. Right. So for me, it's right. more, how do you fit on the team? Mm-hmm. How are you to work with? Would you be yeah. able to, and it, and in reading your book, it's the qualities of these emotelligent leaders in right. that, you know, you would have, you would be, would you be a thermostatic leader to be able to adjust right. to exactly. that group? And so it's interesting because as I was yes. just like, huh, <laughs> yes. yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's not just a manager position or something like that, but on a team, you're, you're going to be a leader to others who are looking at you. Yeah, you know, I, one of the things I, I really say a lot is IQ, which is your cognitive intell- um, intellectual ability. It gets you in the door because you're mm-hmm. qualified because of your degree. And so yeah. it gets you in the door. But EQ, your emotional intelligence or, you know, is what keeps you in the door. Because you, you don't get fired because of your intellect. You get fired because of your behavior, right? Oh. And your behavior Touché. reflects your ability to manage your emotions. So it, what keeps you is your is you raising your emotional quotient mm-hmm. in the workplace that keeps you and in any relationship. Your IQ, I would say, your IQ gets you married. Your EQ keeps you married. Your <laughs> IQ gets you a job. Your EQ keeps you married. <laughs> so I just gotta sing that song because really, if, if you break it down, it comes down to that, you know. And go back to your question earlier, Amy. I I was just thinking as you were talking, and you were really kind of going into some very interesting part about in the hiring mode. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when I go back, you know, um, I read in the book, I cite the example of the Martin Luther King. Yes. And his ability to, you know, face all the opposition and really his, you know, we, we quote him today about what he, about civil rights and disobedience, what that looks like. And so we would say he had exhibited a high um, level of emotional intelligence, you know, and then, you know, I'm a person of faith. So I look at Jesus and I say, well, he is for me, my, the hero that I look at and mm-hmm. say, Hey, look at all the things he went through and all the things he experienced. Yet he maintained a certain things about himself that you can know he had very high emotional intelligence. So I can find some people in this world who sure. fits all of that, but I don't want to make that be the only criteria because some may fit some of it and can it's a skill that can be learned. So I can say it's teachable, so it's learnable, and we can always develop the other parts of it. Which I'm glad you said, and you know, because we talked about not necessarily fitting all the criteria, and I don't want people to think, oh, man, I, I, I'm short. I'm right. four or five or four or six. I'm like, well, hey, you can always learn. You can always yes. grow. I mean, that's why you have this book. That's why there are books out there for yes. you guys to read and learn and uh, educate yourself about. That's why we do these kinds of podcasts. And have guests like Kingsley to share that kind of information so you know and can improve upon yourself. You know, I, I say many times as well, you know, your IQ is at five, is at 15, at 50 is what you have. That's not going to be something you can really develop. It's just not a skill. It's pretty much static in a sense. But your EQ, the beautiful thing about emotional intelligence, and that's why I, I'm so, you know, passionate about this, is mm-hmm. a skill that everyone can learn and it's not hard. It's disciplined, yes, but you realize the results, the feedback, the ROI on your, you know, in, in learning emotional intelligence is such a remarkable thing yeah. that you will want to put up with it and make and do and learn the skills. Yeah, absolutely, guys. And definitely check this out. The, the links will be in the show notes for you guys to learn because I think it's an important topic, if only to make the world a better place if you're cognizant of it. 
and aware of it because I, it's it'll only help you, honestly. I mean, this topic alone is very good in making you aware of what's around you and how you yourself can operate. Because again, like we said, it's not just uh, managers and leaders, but it's the people who are helping others, maybe in your church, maybe in your family, maybe, uh, you know, in your community, whatever it is. So definitely check that out. Kingsley, amazing job you did on this to make it relatable. So I want to make sure we have that. One thing I want to ask, though, is what is, you know, because all these people listening, you've written amazing books. You you said something in, I don't know if it was in which book it was in, but you said something that I had to write down because I was like, <laughs> dang. And I had to share it with with you, Dream Chasers. Um, so listen to this. She, he, you talk about it, and I'm paraphrasing. <clears throat> Excuse me. The graveyard is enriched enough with dreams never realized. Well, as soon as I read that, I was like, well, dang. I mean... That's that's really powerful. And so, you know, one of the reasons we do this podcast is encourage you guys to chase your dreams. So, Kingsley, I have to ask, especially after hearing that quote, what would you recommend or an action or just a suggestion or some advice to our listeners who are chasing their dreams so that they are not participating in this graveyard of dead dreams? You know, Amy, I, I, I really appreciate what you're doing, because when I think about you know, your show and just your messaging of, um, you know, chasing dreams and helping people as dream chasers to realize how important this is. You know, I applaud very much what you're doing because we Thank need you. more voices like yours to say, let's not the, let the graveyard become any richer. Mm-hmm. You know, I call myself a graveyard robber because I don't want to have anybody take their dream to their graveyard mm-hmm. and leave it there. It have enough riches of its own. So I would say to you as a dream chaser, number one, it's not going to happen overnight. So let's, let's get that out of the way. However, what happened, you can shrink your, your dream achievement if you surround yourself with the right people, as you know, we've heard many times, you're the, you're the average of the five people you hang around. So look around you. Who in your group is chasing a dream that you admire? And, or if they're not in your group, find that person, link up with them, have them mentor or coach you. Because with that outside help, you can get to your journey quicker. So I would have simply saying, don't do this alone. Don't go this journey by yourself. It was not meant to be that way mm. i can't say it better guys <laughs> i can't now kingsley before i let you go i gotta we gotta do rapid fire we gotta okay. we gotta we gotta see how you do what i'm gonna do <laughs> is i'm going to share a clock with you let okay. me know when you see the clock okay i can see the clock you can see the clock all right yes. what's gonna happen is i am going to put 30 seconds on the clock you have 30 seconds to tell me this or that. I'm going to give you options. You tell me which ones work for you. Okay? Okay. Sure. All right. Marvel or DC Comics? DC Comics. Train or bus? Train. Disney or DreamWorks? DreamWorks. Apple or Android? Apple. Rain or shine? Rain. Google or Bing? Google. Nintendo or PlayStation? PlayStation. Sneakers or sandals? Sneakers. Amazon or eBay? Amazon. Truth or dare? Truth. Fast or slow? Slow. Smart or funny? Smart. That was pretty good, actually. <laughs> oh, thank you. One, two, <laughs> three, four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Kingsley. Oh wow! I'm glad. Hey, that hey. is impressive, sir. Thank you. That's my emotional intelligence at work. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. Now, Kingsley, before I let you go, what is 
uh, a way for these guys to connect with you online, social media? How can they reach you? Just simply Kingsley Grant, K-I-N-G-S-L-E-Y-G-R-A-N-T. At Kingsley Grant, wherever you go on the social media, that's where I am. And my website is kingsleygrant.com. That's awesome. Kingsley, thank you so much. Guys, you can find all the links and those social media handles on the show notes page over at amyj21.com slash episode 202. That's episode 202. Kingsley, thank you again for being on the show. Guys, till next time, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing. Chasing.